Welcome to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Over the next hour, you're going to learn how to lead more efficiently and effectively in a post-pandemic world where the workplace has changed dramatically. Now, here's Monique. Welcome to the show. I'm Monique. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI, it's taken a considerable importance in the workplace today. It's also very confusing for leaders, yet they're expected to understand it. Today, my guest will help us unpack this with a very specific focus on E, equity. My guest today is Erica Young. Erica is a best-selling author, speaker, and coach. She founded TaylorMade Budgets, a financial coaching and speaking firm. Erica speaks on not just finances, but also on equity. She is a financial and equity educator. She's creating a world where everyone's welcome in all spaces, and they have the financial resources to participate in those spaces. Erica, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Monique. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm so happy you could join us today because this is a very confusing topic. And before we delve into that, tell us a little bit about the work that you do. Yeah, so... Officially, I have been trained as an engineer, and I did that work for about seven years. And on that seven-year path, I, myself and I, we found our way out of debt. We learned how to budget. We learned how to cash flow plan. We really wanted to make certain that we didn't have debt holding us back from the future we desired. And then, of course, I wanted to help other people do the same thing. So I have actually left that career to pursue financial coaching, helping folks do what I did. And I have been in that career now for 18 years. And in the last five years, I've gotten a whole lot more clarity around the importance of making sure that everyone has access to financial awareness, but also to other spaces in the world and in the corporate arena. And so my daughters are part of that story and and they're being teenagers um, about eight years ago when my oldest um, started asking lots of interesting questions. And it just led me to doing more workshops and trainings also in the DEI space. And so I just want to make certain that they also are able to participate everywhere. So um, I do both equity education as well as financial awareness education, and I enjoy that work. And there's lots of overlap there. So today I deliver workshops and presentations to corporations and making certain that everyone can have, you know, a solid path on their own financial freedom and also that they feel comfortable showing up to work as their full selves. What is the difference then between the financial piece and the equity piece? Hopefully not much. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully not much. So DEI is diversity, equity, and inclusion. And equity for me, um, in in personal experience, but also in my professional experience, uh, there's three parts to that. You know, there is being paid equitably on par with your peers. There's access to promotion and being able to move through the company and progress. And then there's also financial awareness, using the dollars that you earn in a very profitable way for yourself, but also so that you actually can have a future. So there's lots of ways that we can approach the equity piece. And I'm all about all three of them, um, but I really, 
you know, focus quite a bit on that financial awareness piece, because I feel like if we can make our dollars stretch, if we can use our money well, if we can save for the future, we can sleep better at night and have peace about where we are and what we're up to. And you mentioned making sure everyone is paid equally. I am still shocked when I hear about the discrepancy in pay. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, I'm having trouble understanding how it happens because in a lot of the companies that I coach for, they have job descriptions and pay ranges, mm -hmm. which they are supposed to stick to legally. Yep. But it sounds like that is not happening depending on who applies for the job, who gets the job. They are being paid outside of the range in some way. Well, actually, I was one of those people who wasn't being paid fairly and I had no idea. So as an engineer, you have a starting salary. And then I was there for seven years and it wasn't until about four or five years in when a African-American female, same as me, she noticed because she was my boss. And this is unusual for in engineering, a black woman to have a black woman leader. But because we had that commonality, she looked for if there were any discrepancies in pay. And she said, Erica, we've got to get this right side up. Now, I probably was paid at the very beginning on par, but over time, I may not have gotten the same amount of raise. Um, I might not have advocated for, I know, let's just put it out there. I know I didn't advocate my, for myself and ask for more, right? So negotiating is a big part of this, even in the very beginning. Um, typically, men will negotiate more on the front side than women will. We tend to be thankful for the job and we're not vying for more money. Um, and so that that negotiation skill is something that we, it's a muscle that we actually have to tone and firm up, right? And so that is something that I wasn't versed in in my early 20s. And so these are some of the reasons why if I fell behind a little bit in the pay scale. The other large reason that is also not equitable is when women leave the workplace to be home with their children, when they come back to the workplace, their ability to get the job and get the pay that they could have had had they stayed in the workplace the entire time is not equitable there, right? And that's that's no one's fault necessarily. It's a choice that has been made. And so that plays into it. And it also plays into the roles, period, that women typically have. And so... Um, if you think about the fact that there are only four um, women who are women of color in Fortune 500 companies, like the top spots in in America, like you think about there, that means that the pipeline to get there is very far and few between, right? Out of 500, we've only we've got less than one percent representation there, and so the pipeline is something that we really have to address as well. And so, if women are coming out of the workforce and coming back in and being satisfied with certain amounts of pay and not asking for more. Those are lots of different factors that play into it. It's not simply the idea that in the very beginning, they may not be paid in the side of the pay scale. That might not be the biggest factor and it might not happen as much as we think. It, there's, there's so much more that goes into it, but we really have to start talking about salary in order to find out. And it sounds like the discrepancies aren't happening intentionally. Like, no top leader is up there saying, I'm purposely going to pay her less. Like that's Absolutely. not the case. 
It's just that women tend to not advocate for themselves like men do. Um, and I do see that in coaching. I see women where, whether they're trying to get a promotion or leave the company for another job and they are given an offer, they're ready to jump in and take it. Yeah. And part of it is that they don't understand their own value. They don't realize what value they bring to the company and they kind of downplay their skill set. Yes. Is that what you're seeing too? Absolutely. Um, case in point, I will say that my sister was in that arena. She She's an architect and she worked for five years for a company and really was just, she's good at what she does, a very hard worker. And she was just burnt out. Like they just, it just the environment was just a bit more toxic than, than it needed to be. And when she was looking for another job, she was talking to me about the pay and how things were going. And I said, make certain you ask for more. Just make certain you ask for more. And in the end, when after her negotiation with this next company, she made $18,000 more than her previous company. In the snap of a finger, like it was clear she wasn't being paid you know, what she needed to be paid at the previous company. But this new company, when she asked for more and she said, all right, I'm willing to do this, but you're going to have to give me more. And it didn't, it, her first offer, the first time she asked, they didn't say yes. They negotiated with her again, but she got $1,500 more per month. And just think about how transforming that can be for someone at home, you know, and how that can make a difference to their bottom line at home. And so, you know, just that conversation resulted in many dollars for her per month. Do you think it's just women that are having this problem? No, actually, statistically speaking, men will negotiate more often. Women just do it less often, right? So if, you know, for every man who does, you know, negotiate, you know, I would say less than 50% of the time, women will as well. So, so it's not, everyone is saying, yes, I'm going to negotiate or everyone is saying, no, it's just, they're doing it at a much faster rapid rate. The other thing that's very different is men talk about salary all the time. They share numbers way more freely than women do in general. And so we don't even know what is on par because we're not having those conversations, right? So maybe if women really just started to have that conversation, they would be more motivated to actually say more, ask for more and, and take, I, you know, the other thing is not just because you want more money, but because you know, you're valuable, you know, all the results that you've given for the company. I typically will also tell you to people, make sure you're keeping record of all your accomplishments and how you're really making a difference at work. So that when you're going into the, the pay review, that you actually have data, right? We're not talking just because I'm worth it. We're talking about because Look at all these things that I have done for the company, how much I've saved, you know, the impact that I've made. And, and that speaks volume. So that's being an advocate for yourself. And I think that just is something that typically, you know, isn't talked about enough. In coaching, I work on accomplishment statements with people also because no one really thinks to track what they've done. And they don't, if they do track it, they're not putting a metric to it, like a dollar amount or a, a value. And Initially, they'll say, you know, I don't I don't really know what accomplishments I've had. I'm not really sure. I don't know how you quantify that. And as we work through it in coaching, they are shocked by the time they have an entire list of accomplishments. And they say, I 
did not realize this. I would not have realized this. So again, they're not realizing, you know, really their own value. And if a person doesn't realize that for themselves, they, they can't articulate that for a raise or a promotion or anything like that. And, and you also bring up a good point. I do remember when I worked in the corporate world, I switched jobs. I applied, was offered a great job. And I noticed in the offer, there was no sign-on bonus that was offered. And for some reason, I thought to ask for it. And I went back and I said, what, what's the bonus that you're giving? And they said, oh, yes, we're pleased to offer you blah, blah, blah. Well, they never would have been pleased to offer that had I not asked. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is the question we have to ask ourselves. What's the worst that could happen? They can say no. They say no. And, and you haven't lost anything because you didn't have it previously, right? <laughs> right. And so um, this is, if you, if you enjoy the work that you do and you really want to continue to make a difference, it's important that you're paid on par fairly and for the value and you know, service that you provide. And I think that we tend to get comfortable, get complacent and really just be, I'm just so thankful that I have a job and sure, in this market, there's a lot going on, but um, it doesn't hurt to try. And still, people are out here getting new jobs or getting pay increases. These things are happening. And tell us how this all impacts promotions. Is it the well, same thing that's happening? Yes. So that's a really good point in terms of, so first of all, first of all, the biggest thing in the equity conversation around promotion is that we need to make certain that we have diverse voices, diverse you know experiences, diverse um, people who are bringing their ideas to the table. And so I'm a big fan of mentorship, sponsorship, you know, advocacy for underrepresented groups so that in promotion, you have a diverse population, right? You're not just looking at um, the one person who, you know, one person has been mentoring and bringing them alongside and advocating for them. Um, but that we actually have a pool of people with lots of varying thoughts as well as um, talent to bring to the table. So in promoting folks, equity is is really, really important. The only way that we're going to diversify our C-suite is if we diversify the pipeline that is coming. And so I think that is very, very important. Um, the other thing is I think it's very fair for folks to say, hey, I'm looking to get to this next position. And so um, being very clear about what it is that you want next is so important in promotion. Um, just making sure that somebody knows what you're trying to do so that any help that is needed, um, you already have an advocate on your team. So succession planning is really important. Yes, it is. And being a part of that and knowing that they're not going to, people aren't going to move you along um, and, make sure that your skills are well represented if you don't say something. So you've got to be your own advocate, especially in the promotion process. Yeah, I get so many clients that are like annoyed with their managers because they haven't gotten a promotion yet. And in coaching, we have to work on the fact that they have to own their own growth and their own professional development. And the manager is there to support them and to remove roadblocks and to work collaboratively with them. But ultimately, it's every employee's job to own their own growth and to take charge of that. Yeah. And I think a really good question for people to ask is, what will be needed in my journey 
so that I'm seen as prepared and ready for this next position. So that even if it takes you six months or a year or even two years, you are doing the things that you have been told are going to help you get there. Because if we assume that we've done all of the things, something inevitably will be missing. And after those two years, we'll be frustrated because we thought we were ready. And so there may be other developmental milestones along the way that are necessary to help make sure that you're moving forward and are prepared in the eyes of those who are actually going to be doing the hiring. It definitely takes preparation and you've got to be very intentional about it. It's got to be a strategy to get you to where you want to be. Well, time has flown. (laughs) If you've just tuned in, we're here with Erica Young. Erica is a financial and equity educator, and we've been talking about the importance of equity uh, and as a component of DEI. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll hear more about Erica's work, and we'll talk about uh, how retention is impacted by equity and also things that employees can do to embrace equity. So stay with us. We will be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. At MD Consulting, we provide executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. We're here with Erica Young, financial and equity educator. Prior to break, we heard about uh, Erica's journey regarding equity and why the E in DEI is so important. 
Erica, we talked a little bit about the pay and promotion part of what you do. Tell us a little bit about the financial awareness piece. And you go into companies and do this, right? Yes, I am a financial coach, you know, for the last 18 years. And I would say in the last four to five years, I have done more workshops and webinars inside of workplaces because I just love being able to impact the environment where people show up for eight hours a day, even if it's on Zoom, right? Like the this is these are colleagues, they're work friends, and they spend a lot of time there. And so it's just nice to be able to transform a space where people have a little bit less stress, can sleep better at night and show up much more productively because they actually have a financial game plan. And so um, financial awareness is important because not everybody is ready to fully participate, let's say, in the 401k plan. People don't fully understand what benefits are best for them. We typically will throw benefits at them once a year and say, make your choice. And they don't exactly know how it's going to impact them on a day-to-day basis or for the next 12 months. And so there's just lots of things that um, in terms of financial impact and the awareness that that kind of go unnoticed. And companies are paying their employees. And I think it's really a great creative benefit to make sure that their employees are managing those funds well. People are happier, they're less stressed. And like I said, they can come without the burden of what's happening with their money to work. And because I know I was one of those people I had, my husband and I had to dig our way out of nearly $100,000 in debt. And I came to work and, you know, lunchtime, there were moments where I was calling, you know, creditors. And I was like, I'm going to make this payment here. I'm going to have to do this. And it, it's a heavy burden. It's a backpack that we're carrying. And if we don't give people a plan, then they can't fully be themselves at work. So it really gets me excited to make an impact in that space as well. So you actually work with employees around the options that they have for what to do with their money? Yes, actually, I love budgeting, cash flow planning, and getting out of debt. Um, the biggest thing that I enjoy making impact on is helping people to get free of their debt, but also to have choices with their dollars. Um, if people make better benefit decisions, if they make a decision that's best for their particular family, if, if their particular family, we know that they have certain medical issues or challenges, there might be benefits that suit them best. Um, also, just understanding the difference between health savings accounts, and flexible spending accounts and, you know, just being very aware of what the, the company offers. And then also 401k administration is something I don't do, but if people are free of debt, they can then have the capacity, the access to be able to put more money into their 401k so that later on they actually have dollars to help their, you know, future selves live well, right? Or at least live not on social security because that's not, you know, a healthy way to see your future. And so um, I just want people to have options and for people to understand that more is possible even with the income they have today. What do leaders need to know about equity? Well, the one thing I think that people need to understand is that we, if, if people are not paying attention to their finances, they're going to be looking elsewhere for a job. People who have financial challenges are twice as likely to look for another job. 
So when we're talking about what, you know, if you're looking at people who are your turnover rates and all of that, there is a high probability that half of those people may not have left if they actually had a plan for their money. And that is the case that I want to build with leaders and companies is that um, there is this hidden reason your retention rates are where they are and financial awareness can address a lot of that, that challenge that you might be seeing. So employees are going elsewhere looking for higher paying jobs because they have money issues and they're thinking the higher paying job will solve the money issues. Yes. I actually talked with, I'm actually working with a company right now who is, we were working together to get a financial awareness program together and they've had people leave for more money, but they come back for purpose. They enjoy the environment at this job. They are on mission with what the company is about. And so they have lost revenue, lost productivity when people leave. And then they're trying to find new folks to fill that position unnecessarily. This is unnecessary work. And so let's make certain that we're addressing the financial challenges that people are having, making them to, you know, know that they can have good decisions around their money and maximize the dollars that they have so that it's less of a concern making more money elsewhere. If you're going to come back, you might as well just stay. <laughs> right, right. And the cost to a company is astronomical to recruit and hire, interview, onboard, train, get them up and running, and then only to have them leave for that reason. Huge. Wow. Yeah, huge. It's not uncommon for companies to spend about one and a half times someone's salary to replace that particular position. This is what they're losing in dollars. And if you multiply that by how many people have left, um, you know, so by your attrition rate, that's huge, big dollars. I did this again for another company recently. And because of their attrition rate, it was $30 million lost going out the door. And so you just think about what could this company do with $30 million? There's absolutely no way they want that to continue. And the national average is around 10% right now, which is a little high for turnover. And so when you think about if your company is a little bit higher than that, or if you think about half of that number being people who are looking for more money because they think that there's grass that's greener on the other side, let's make sure we talk to them about financial awareness and you know, managing their money, getting on a budget and having some digital solutions that can help them do that. How difficult is it for you to make this case when you go into companies? I mean, the way you just presented it to me, it's obvious that companies need to look at this and take it seriously. Are they buying into this? Well, I help them to buy in by asking them about their company. So the national average is 10% for turnover. But here's the deal. I'm asking you, human resource person or the VP or what have you, what is your internal turnover rate? How many employees do you currently have? What is the average pay that you're paying them? And then I calculate it for them. So if they're not clear, and a lot of times companies are clear, but they might not have drawn the conclusion themselves. But I bring it home by giving them their own numbers back and saying, okay, so here's the deal. Statistically speaking, this national survey at the end of 2022 says that, you know, people with financial challenges are twice as likely to look for a job. So if in fact 
your turnover rate is costing you this. What if we could cut that in half, you know, um, by just making certain that they have good financial resources and education there. So, and this gives everybody the opportunity to win with money. So that is really important that every, you know, employee, no matter what their financial background is at home and, and what they've experienced and what they brought before they came to this company, this, you know, gives everybody access to be able to make solid, sound decisions with their money that will help them show up better and productive and more efficient and effective at work. How can companies make their commitment to equity clear? Honestly, I think they need to audit. They need to internally make certain that everybody is paid fairly. We need to understand if if we're looking at, you know, promoting from within who are who is on the table, whose resumes are coming across um, the tables and and making certain certain that diverse voices are being heard there. And then we also need to ensure that we're giving them an opportunity to have, you know, some financial, you know, smarts, if you will, and the opportunity to maximize the dollars that they're being paid. A lot, you know, one of the things when I came out of college, it was just, I was told, go to college, get a good degree, and you'll get, you know, a good job. No one ever taught me what to do with that money when it came back into my hands, right? And so uh, for many, many years, until just recently, companies were solely focused on my only job is to make sure that you've got the money. After I've been paying you fairly for what you're bringing to the table. And the challenge is that that's just not enough for employees right now. This is financial awareness is or financial education is a creative benefit benefit that sets companies apart because only about 20 to 25% of companies are doing anything beyond a 401k in this arena. And so if you want to stand out in the marketplace, this is something that, um, you know, people are looking for as they're looking for jobs. And also, the, you know, in order to retain your employees, this is a creative way to do that as well. For the leaders who are out there listening, who run teams, they have direct reports, what is one step that they could take right now to embrace equity? I would say ask questions, right? So assessments are vital. So you wanna hear the pulse of the organization, anonymous assessments, you wanna hear from people, um, what, is, what is in the air, what's in the culture, but you also want to ensure that you're hearing the voices of the people that are working for you. I think it's really one of the best books that has really been super impactful for the work that I do. Um, it's just a story about um, a company that went through this process of assessing and understanding the needs of their employees. And um, I, I just think that if people read The Dream Manager, they will get it, right? This is a person who sits in the office or the position of helping make sure the employees are um, productive at work, and also they're able to realize their dreams and goals. And largely, those dreams and goals are financial, or they take money <laughs> at minimum. Everything in life takes money, right? And so if we're able to um, make sure that our dreams are are being realized, that's a great book to get the concept of what I'm speaking of. And what about individual employees? How can they contribute or embrace equity? Well, one of the things I think we really need to understand how to advocate for ourselves, um, get mentorships, make sure that there are mentors that you have that may not look like you, 
and that you're mentoring someone else that doesn't look like you. I think we need to really make sure that we're talking more about salaries, um, even if it's not in your company, but you might be in an adjacent, you can have a conversation with someone out in industry who's in the same position as you, but in a different company, just to make sure you're on par. Start talking about these things and make certain that you look around and see who's missing in the room. I think the biggest thing is we have to really pay attention to who's not here, what voice is not represented, and how can I make an impact in ensuring that you know, if a position is open, let me make sure my friend over here has an opportunity to apply. Are you are out in, in the community and you're meeting people who have um, the opportunity to be advanced in this way? And so I, I think networking is a great way to ensure that equity is present. But also, I think advocating for yourself and, you know, we, we've got to, you know, pay attention to what's happening around us and mentoring sponsorship advocacy is, is so vital. I love that you brought up networking because I think that's something people do not do enough of. Yeah. And I think it it puts us in a silo sure. when we're not networking. Um, I think people need to be networking not only within their company, but outside of their company, throughout the industry, things like that. And it, it really helps people to learn what's happening out there. They learn best practices, all kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. It's another learning tool. And when you are a part of something bigger than yourself, not just your company, but also your community and your state and all of that, um, and you are building partnerships with folks, you have a larger awareness, right? So if we stay in our bubble, we'll only know so much. But um, if we expand our circles and and do that on a routine basis and keep up with folks, you just never know where those things might might take you. And so the next opportunities or the next places where you can make an impact could very well be found in your networking circles. How do you think the post-COVID environment has impacted the workplace? Uh, tremendously. <laughs> <laughs> tremendously. I feel like, gosh, one, post-COVID, everybody's trying to figure out, are we working from home? Are we doing something hybrid? Are we coming back into the office? That's a huge question that I think is going to be around for a while. I think the flexibility, not just with working from home, but just in how we do business um, and what that looks like is, is, is changed. It's forever changed. And so I don't think we'll ever go back to what we considered business as usual before. Um, there are some businesses who are looking at how they can continue some type of hybrid in person or at home type of, you know, compromise, but that's a big thing. Um, there are also lots of people who have gone out of the workforce because um, it's just too hard to do all of it, right? And so women at an very high rate have actually left the workforce in droves um, since the pandemic began. And that is troublesome because it's hard to build equity when um, large populations of one uh, underrepresented group in corporate has, you know, has begun to leave for, for various reasons. And so I think we're forever changed. We're not going to be the same. And we have to learn how to, in this moment, do business differently. You know, and so obviously we know that since the pandemic, there has been lots of talk about recession as well as, you know, the inflation rate. And that's also affecting people's decisions and how they do life and how they do work. And so I think 
there's there's tons of impact from COVID. And I think we need to probably take a, a really holistic view and see how that's impacted each company and, and what initiatives are going to be top of mind to make sure that they're taken care of. We're here with Erica Young. She is the founder of TaylorMade Budgets. Erica is a financial and equity educator. We've been talking about how leaders and employees can more fully embrace the E in DEI. A few reminders before we go to a quick break. You can visit my website at mdconsultingglobal.com and there you can subscribe to my blog. You can connect with me on social media. And as always, I encourage you to email in any questions you have, and we'll answer them here on the show. You can do that at monique at mdconsultingglobal.com. When we come back, we will hear some success stories about companies that have embraced the E. And stay with us. We will be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. At MD Consulting, we provide executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Flick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment and community for the aftermath, emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. You're listening to Leading with Intention on the Voice America Business Channel. We're back with Erica Young talking about equity in the workplace. Erica, what changes have you seen in equity over the years? The biggest changes that I'd like to see are happening way too slowly, I have to say. So, hey, equity is still a huge problem for every dollar that a man earns. Um, 
white women in particular earn 82 cents on the dollar. And then if we're speaking of women of color, it can be 65, 56% of, you know, that dollar that they're earning. So it, it basically takes almost, you know, all year um, for a woman to earn, or I should say all of the next year, for a woman to earn what a, what a man earns. And that part is frustrating, I will say. Um, but that is something that we have to do what is in our power. And I mentioned in the very beginning of our talk um, today that there just is, there are some ways that we can advocate for ourselves as women and make certain that we're seen, we're heard, we're paying attention to the skills and what we're bringing to the table. And so hopefully as we keep up with that messaging, more women will be able to um, see that impact. I will say that in terms of the other pieces of equity, what I, I do see many more people embracing mentorship, sponsorship, coaching, you know, challenging folks in the marketplace in a healthy and productive way so that we can show up as the best version of ourselves and also to advance in the workplace. So that message is coming clear. The thing that I think is really important is that allies, um, people who who are standing with, standing for, and standing up for underrepresented groups continue to do so. Um, because I think as, as we have a more diverse and healthy and thriving workforce, then we, that you know, honestly translates into more in the bottom line. So I think that some of those things are actually happening more and more. People are being, you know, lots of companies are training on making sure that you are an ally, but also making sure that you know how to advance. And it takes all those kinds of people, the sponsors, advocates, mentors, et cetera. Um, and I will say that now, like 10 years ago, in terms of making sure that financial education is a part of the benefits package that people have at work, 10 years ago, that was not really a thing. So I think that there are more and more companies who are embracing the whole idea that this will bring more equitable um, pay, you know, experiences for people, just knowing where every dollar is going and being very intentional about the money that they're earning. Um, it, it's growing in, in popularity. And so, like I said, there's, you know, upwards of 25% of companies who are actually doing something now beyond the 401k plan um, because financial education is not solely 401k. I think that that is, a, a solid version of it, but that is not everything. It, it, it includes maybe some coaching, some webinars, some workshops, um, helping people to understand and have access to resources around um, home purchase and things like that. So I just think that it's really important that we have all of it and we're seeing some advances. And then in some areas, we need a little bit more work. So the training that you do when you go into companies includes a lot of these things. Is there other training that's available to companies around equity? Well, so this is interesting. I, this is why I'm doing this work. I see that financial awareness is coming more into play. What I don't see is training for leaders around equity, particularly around the three areas that I mentioned. It's making sure that people actually have the access, that they have, you know, they understand what it looks like to promote fairly, that they are looking at 
understanding the pay and equities that could be present in their company and how to address them, even even equitable practices in hiring. So there are some companies who touch on it a little bit, but not necessarily from the financial awareness piece. And so that is something that um, I bring to the table and um, really enjoy talking about because it's very personal to me because I was a person who needed someone to advocate for me until I understand what that voice looked like. And then I also have children that I want to make certain know how to advocate for themselves. And so I think that, you know, I have both sides of the coin that that bring that experience valuable to me. So you've discovered a bit of a niche Hopefully, uh, yes. Yes. Sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> Can you share some success stories of companies or employees that you've worked with around how they've embraced equity? Well, one company in particular, I've worked with a credit union and I've trained their internal financial coaches. I did a full day of a sales summit for their member facing team and there was about 50 people in the room and then ongoing training with them on a monthly basis to ensure that their team has the resources to bring on folks into their financial um, education that they have there keep them engaged, make sure that they're seeing results. So when we first started work together, they had 220 people in their financial education or their financial wellness program. And in six months, that number was over 1,000. It's almost a 300% return, um, or I should say, increase in participation. And that was just fantastic. Just making certain that they're using words and, and empathizing and understanding some of the, the, the barriers to success and uncovering and breaking some of those down so that more people can participate. That just is super thrilling. I've also worked with companies just doing workshops as well as one-on-one um, -on -one coaching. One of the companies that I work with was offering bonus to their employees and they wanted me to come in and ensure that their workforce was prepared to handle those dollars well. And I thought, what a brilliant strategy. Do it before they get the money, before they have opportunity. If you have a game plan, you will more likely execute to it. And so I worked with, um, actually, out of 35 employees at that company, I worked with about half of them to ensure that they had a solid game plan, not just for the bonus, but just in general around budgeting, cash flow planning. And so there was great success there in preparing them for that next season. And I'm currently working with a company who is looking to you know, reduce their turnover rate and just really excited about the opportunity to work with their intern population around money as well as um, their larger, you know, their employees at large that, that are needing some of this help so that they stay, they're happy and they're effective in their jobs. Now you've mentioned you have daughters. Yes. What are their ages? My girls are 19 and 23, and they're they're always going to be my baby. So um, <laughs> I tell them that all the time. They'll always be my baby, even though they're young ladies now. <laughs> what have you taught them specifically about equity? You know what? I will tell you, they are the ones who taught me first. That's the honest truth. So when my oldest became a teenager, started going to high school, she had many questions. And as a Black female here in America, she had lots of interesting questions that I feel that I, as a parent, probably felt ill-prepared for or 
wasn't sure if I was ready for that conversation. And I had to educate myself. I had to make sure I was up on the news. I had to make certain what my perspectives were and be clear. And then also make sure that she learned how to think for herself as well. And so that started the process for me. The biggest thing that I'll say is over time, um, being an advocate in her school and in our community and making sure, again, that all voices are heard, it's really important to me that my girls feel like they can do anything. I want them to feel like they can show up in any space in their college career, as well as in their workforce and be fully heard, seen and appreciated. And so that's not just words, it's just intentionally living out how they can be an advocate for themselves. And I'm working on that with my oldest right now. She's in her first job and it's super fun to kind of coach her through some of the challenges that she's having now and helping her to see what speaking up looks like, what it means and how to have a mentor and who to look for and why these things are important. And also for my daughter who's in college now, just making sure that she's showing up as her full self. She doesn't diminish her shine and that um, she's able to make certain that her circles are also diverse and that all of her friends understand the value that they that they bring to the world. And so I think all of that is going to help them build their own internal equity and then learn how to use it as they progress in this world. It sounds like great work that you're doing. And I know you're doing even more than what you've talked about today. You've got a podcast and some other things going on. Tell us about some of that. Yeah. So my husband and I actually started a podcast. Um, this has been a journey. I think it's our empty nester moment where we're like, oh, we're going to connect over the airwaves. And uh, But it's called For Better and Worth. And it's the podcast where you can get better in your relationship while you build your net worth. We don't feel like you have to sacrifice. And I think a lot of times um, where people are unsure on if they can come into alignment, get in this on the same page with their partner. And um, we're just having conversations about our mishaps with money and how we're still able to communicate and also win with money. So it doesn't have to be a disjointed conversation where everything is perfect because that is not the case. But we've been married 25 years and I feel like we definitely have something to say because we climbed out of debt and we're staying free of that. And we want other people to know that that's possible for them as well. Um, the work that I do, you you know, it's it's all about financial education as well as building equity in your workforce, as well as in the people that work there. And um, you can find that on ericayoung.com. And uh, that is that is my that's the big baby that I have right now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to you because, you know, you were in the workplace, in corporate, as an engineer, um, you have children, you climbed out of debt, which to me sounds amazing, climbing out of $100,000 in debt. How long did that take you, by the way? It took us five years and um, we tripped over ourselves. My husband lost his job. I mean, there were just a lot of missteps, even missteps in real estate. Um, I think that a lot of people think it's a straight path once you make the choice. And that wasn't the case for us. And I think for lots of people, it's not, that's not always the case. But yeah, it took five years. And my hope with the work that I have been doing is that it will be shorter for those that I get a chance to educate on how to avoid some of those pitfalls and how to make certain that they stay the course and stay determined to find their own path to financial freedom, whatever that looks like for them. I think that's the big 
um, benefit to having someone that's out there providing education and advocacy and mentorship is that others won't make the same mistakes. They can go about it in a lot cleaner, more streamlined way, save time and you know, even save relationships, because I'm sure you've got the statistics on how many relationships end related to, you know, money issues. So um, tell us again how listeners can find you. Yes, you can find me on ericayoung.com. You can find me on Instagram, ericayoungofficial. I'm also on LinkedIn. That is my favorite social media of choice. So look me up, Erica Young Official, as well as the podcast for better and worth. And the book that Erica mentioned was The Dream Manager. So Erica has recommended that as a great resource. You've been listening to Leading with Intention on the Voice America Business Channel. Our guest today has been Erica Young, a financial and equity educator. Erica, thanks so much for helping us unpack this topic today. And all of you can find me on my website, mdconsultingglobal.com, where you can also pick up all my social media, my blog. And next week, we will be having Darren Larson talking about attentional fitness in the workplace to help you focus more, because that seems to be quite an issue now. Leaders are having trouble focusing and staying attentive to what needs to be done. So we will have a great guest next week talking about that. So I'd like to invite everyone back then. And again, email in your questions to me at any point at monique at mdconsultingglobal.com. So be sure to tune back in. And while you're gone during the week, don't forget to lead with intention. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Leading with Intention. Our intention is that you walk away from this show today with new tools, techniques, and insights that help you lead more effectively and have greater impact within your company. Until we talk again, have a great week.